Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, December 15th. Today on the show, we've got a major injury that Titans fans need to be tracking. Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports will join us to set some shocking expectations for the new head football coach at Auburn and a hiring philosophy that I will never understand. But we begin with Vanderbilt's new head football coach. If you have been listening to this show, you know that I've told you for quite some time now that Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee was going to be the next head football coach at Vanderbilt. So as a bunch of national reporters finally caught up with me on Monday, it seems that it's essentially become official, or at least it's his job to turn down. Most everyone knows all of the big important stuff that you need to know about the 38-year-old by now. He's a Vanderbilt alum who was born in Nashville, went to NBA, and actually played baseball at Belmont before transferring and playing fullback for the Commodores. He's done an exceptional job with the Notre Dame defense in his three years in South Bend, ranking 14th, 8th, and 26th nationally in yards per play defense over the last three years. According to reports, he told his players on Monday that he intends to coach the Irish for the remainder of the season, which could include his second berth in the college football playoff. By all accounts, Lee is a savvy, very smart football coach. He may have all of the traits and characteristics needed to take over a bad program and rebuild the culture. We also know that he's never been a head coach, and that means there is no evidence, either good or bad, that he will be able to accomplish this goal. We also don't know what he will be as a recruiter in the deep, shark-infested waters of southeastern football recruiting, or what sort of offensive philosophy he wants his program to be built around, considering that the SEC is now a spread quarterback-dominated league. This will be his first major test as a CEO. Who are you tapping to run your offense? It is a critical hire that the last guy got very wrong in his first try. Clark Lee checks a lot of boxes, and you could do a lot worse than a National Coordinator of the Year candidate with deep roots to the university and the city. But there are just as many giant unknowns as there are positives. He may be an excellent head coach, but we simply do not know the answers to those questions yet. Clark Lee is a great fit, a solid football mind, and feels like a safe conservative hire. But is that enough to win and be competitive at Vanderbilt? Is this what the fan base wants right now? Only time will tell. I do know that the last time that Vanderbilt hired a defensive coordinator from an academic school in the top 10 to be their first-time head coach, it did not end very well. Additionally, if you are on the Clark Lee side of the Vanderbilt fan base, you've probably uttered or tweeted or screamed these words in the last few weeks. I want a long-term solution who wants to be at Vanderbilt for the long haul. Lee might be the right hire and a great coach. But I just do not understand this argument. The argument that Lee is a safer choice who won't be interested in leaving or won't view Vanderbilt as a stepping stone job because of his ties to the school, it just seems totally flawed and short-sighted to me. Sure, we all want every coach to believe that our favorite school is a destination job. But with all due respect to Vanderbilt and almost every other job in college minus like the top 10 or 12 of them, every job in America is a stepping stone job, especially for a great coach. As a basic hiring philosophy, I will never understand discounting a candidate because you think they are too good for your favorite program. That they will leave if State U big-time blue-blood job comes open in three years, just like James Franklin left for Penn State. The logic behind this seems wildly flawed to me. If the Vanderbilt head coach is good enough to be interviewed and lured away by Texas or Alabama or Ohio State, then that means, just like with Franklin, you won a boatload of football games. 
that your program is relevant again, and that people care about you. You should never, ever pass up on a high-caliber candidate because you think he might be so good that he will leave in a few years. And this goes for Clark Lee as well. If he's good enough to be interviewed by Alabama, do you think he's going to stay at his alma mater? Or do you think he's going to go to the greatest college football program of all time? Why anyone anywhere would ever pass on winning games is beyond comprehension to me. You hire the best guy for the job that you possibly can. And then you cross all of those other bridges when you get to them. You take the wins now and you enjoy the memories for the rest of your life, period. The Auburn Tigers spent over $20 million to fire Gus Malzahn and his staff over the weekend. In his eight seasons at Auburn, Malzahn won 66% of his games, beat Nick Saban three times, won two division championships, won the SEC championship, and played in the national title game. That is the bar that Gus Malzahn has set at Auburn during the Saban era. So to better understand exactly what expectations are and should be on the plains, one of the most fascinating places in all of college football, I asked Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports to tell us exactly what is expected of the next coach of the Auburn Tigers. You know, I kind of compare it to Auburn to Tennessee in a lot of ways. That's kind of where Tennessee should be expecting it, but they're not getting there. Auburn expects it, but they're somehow getting to that point. The problem is, is that ever since 2013, his first year, Gus Malzahn lost four games or more each season. But he sprinkled that in with some big wins against Georgia and obviously three against Alabama. But he could never repeat that magic of that first season. And things kind of got boring. And, you know, whoever this coach that comes in, this is a coach that I don't think needs to be worried about competing directly against Nick Saban. This hire that they make needs to be a hire that is the guy that can help build up Auburn to a point to when Nick Saban retires here in the next few years, Auburn shifts the power in the state and is able to kind of take an opportunity when the window opens there and absolutely take advantage of that that void when Saban leaves Alabama. When does that happen? We don't know, <laughs> but it, it certainly probably will happen in the next five years. And if you're trying to hire a coach now, that fits into that window because you want to give your – coach four to five years if you hire one hire someone that can build things up make you competitive so that when Nick Saban does leave you can come in and and that's the opening for Auburn and they've been waiting for it and it really is kind of a miracle in the first place that Auburn's been one be able to beat Alabama three times under Gus Malzahn but two win the SEC West twice over Alabama during that time it's crazy to think that they were able to do that but it shows you that that's the expectation. Gus Malzahn really built that expectation during the Saban era. He was the only one who was able to do that in the Saban era. Thanks to Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports who walked the Auburn beat for a very long time. I almost cannot believe the second part of his answer there. It sounds like he is saying to give up until Saban is gone and make sure that you've got the guy in place recruiting like hell to be ready to pounce when Bama is no longer running things in the SEC West. Okay, so you want a guy who doesn't have to compete with Saban, but who can build a winning program, probably needs to recruit pretty well, stays competitive with most of the best teams, and who will have an established brand ready to pounce when Saban retires? What exactly has Gus Malzahn been doing the last eight years? 
I know Gus has gotten stale. I get it, Auburn fans. But if the plan is now simply to wait it out, wouldn't you want the guy who's been winning 66% of the time for maybe 10 or 11 years to be the one to pounce? Wouldn't he be uniquely qualified? Unless I'm missing something and they pull a giant surprise with a name that no one is expecting, which is very possible, firing Gus Malzahn for over $20 million and then changing your plan to go try to find a coach to do what Gus Malzahn has been doing is the most Auburn thing I've ever heard of. It feels a little early in the week to turn the page completely from reveling in the Titans' win over Jacksonville to focusing on the next task at hand, the home season finale against Detroit on Sunday. But it is with good reason that I am talking about next Sunday's opponent on a Tuesday already. Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford, the last vestige of a never-great team, has been playing through a torn ligament in his throwing thumb, and now could be playing through another major injury, should he play at all on Sunday. Stafford left the Lions' loss to the Packers on Sunday in the fourth quarter after running for a first down and taking a big shot to his ribcage. He left the game one play later. He tried to throw some passes on the sidelines, went back into the tunnel, got some treatment, came back out, tried throwing again, but was in too much pain that he never went back into the game. Stafford has undergone x-rays, and Titans fans should be monitoring this closely all week long. Stafford is a tough SOB, man, and if he can play through it, he will, and he has. He's also significantly more dangerous than backup Chase Daniel. With a totally depleted defense, the Lions' only chance at a win on Sunday against Tennessee, outside, of course, the Titans tripping all over themselves coming out of the tunnel like we know that they are prone to do on occasion, is to win in a shootout behind the massive arm of Matthew Stafford. If he cannot play, it provides a huge opportunity for the Titans' defense to gain a little more confidence following their solid showing against Jacksonville. Either way, it is the most important development to track this week for either team. It's only December, but college hoops in the SEC is already super interesting. The Tennessee Volunteers are clearly the best team in the league right now and will shoot for a third straight win to start the season against Appalachian State on Tuesday night in Thompson Bowling Arena at 6 p.m. Central Time. The Vols beat a solid Cincinnati team on Saturday with relative ease to give them two solid wins to start the year. There are so many weapons on this team. They play excellent defense. Make sure you check out the game tonight. It is worth your time. Meanwhile, Kentucky's bizarre and disappointing start to the season has been interrupted as the game against Detroit Mercy on Tuesday night has been postponed due to COVID issues for the second time. Big Blue Nation will face UCLA on Saturday. Thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, December 15th. 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. Mm-hmm.